I'm so excited to be here with you guys. Um, I've got to start by saying well, I need to take a moment and just honor your pastors. You guys have the best pastors in the country, I believe. Come on, would somebody agree with me with that? Amen. And pastors Frankie and Allie are amazing. I can say that because uh, even though y'all don't see me here on the weekends, Pastor Frankie is actually my pastor. Um, so I'll tell you a little bit about myself. Uh, my name is Brandon Bilbo. I'm down in Houma, Louisiana, and uh, we launched a church there about four years ago. Uh, I've got a picture of my family I could show you up here. Um, my wife, Rochelle, is uh, speaking this morning at the church. The uh, two little ones look really cute right there, but they're wild. And uh, Maddox is my oldest, Marshall is a little one, and uh, we... We uh, found out right after we launched the church that not only were we launching the church, but we were having a baby in the same year, which is not something that I would ever suggest to do, but it was awesome, and God has blessed us, and Pastor Frankie has been, um, he's been my pastor throughout this whole process, man, just poured into my life, and and um, you know, it's it's kind of cool to know that you're not just in a church that uh, you have a leader um, that's just a, a good leader, and you have a pastor's pastor, and uh, he pours his life not just into you guys, and anytime I'm talking to him, he talks about how awesome you are, he brags on you guys, but uh, but man, he's not, you know, there's some guys that are men, and then there's some guys that are men's men. It's cool to have not just a pastor, but a pastor's pastor, amen, somebody who can pour into the lives of others, and um, if you're a guest here at Celebration, uh, as you saw on the screen, I'm, I'm not your pastor, he's a whole lot more fit than I am. Um, He's riding a bike for 75 miles today, and if you ever see me on a bike, you probably need to run because something tragic is going on behind me. Um, <clears throat> I run to tables for jambalaya and stuff like that, but that's about it. And um, But man, I'm excited. I'm so excited to be here with you guys. I'm going to be uh, sharing a message with you about stepping into the promises that God has for you. I know we're in a series here about increasing your expectancy. And, um, and I really want to, want to kind of stay in that vein. And if you're increasing your expectancy and your faith, Pastor Frankie started this series by saying that, that we're going to be a bold church and we're going to be a church that, that, that we step out and we do what God's called us to do. Well, I think there's a few things that you have to be prepared for. And so we're going to go to Genesis chapter 32 in just a moment. And, um, for those of you who might not be familiar with this text, I'm going to give you a little bit of background. We're going to talk about a guy named Jacob this morning. Now, Jacob is the grandson of the man who's the father of the nation of Israel, the father of our faith, the grandson of Abraham. Abraham's a man who just followed God blindly. I'm going to go. And then Abraham has a son named Isaac. Isaac follows God, and then Isaac has twins. And I know many of you are familiar with this story, but just follow me as we recap it for a moment. And so Isaac has twins. Esau is the first one that's born, and Jacob comes out literally holding his brother's foot as he comes out. And Jacob... Uh, he's given this name because as he's holding his foot, they said, well, he's going to be a manipulator and a usurper, so let's name him Jacob. See, in Bible times, they didn't name a baby based off of like how we name babies today. Uh, You know, you find somebody's name today, it's like what looks cute on a smocked outfit and what what fits right on over the window in the room. We we pick weird things of, you know, why we're going to name our children what we name our children. My last name is Bilbo. 
it's really rough in elementary school with the last name Bilbo. Um, and then you get to the point where people read The Hobbit and whatever else, and you get questions like, you know, do you have hairy toes and where's the ring and all like weird stuff. And so I was like, look, my kids, I got to try to find names that they don't get made fun of very easily. Like Maddox, you can't rhyme with anything. So first one's Maddox. And that, like, like we, we, we wanted something that had a good meaning, but something that's hard to make fun of. But in Bible times, the name was their identity. And Jacob meant a usurper. It actually means one who over throws governments, one who's an overreacher and a manipulator, and he lived up to that name. In fact, he manipulated his brother out of his birthright, which is the double portion that he got just for being born first. He then manipulated his father into giving him the blessing of the family, and and he just kind of worked this whole thing out. And then his brother, begrudging his birthright, begrudging everything, basically makes a vow that when dad dies, I'm killing my brother too. I'm, I'm gonna kill him. Like, I can't do it while daddy's alive, but as soon as daddy's dead and he's on his last leg, as soon as he's gone, I'm killing my brother. And so Jacob goes on the run. And it's while he's on the run, it's in that moment that he actually finds God for himself. And I think it's important that we all come to a place at some point in our lives where we don't serve God based on our mom's relationship or based on our dad's relationship. You have to know who God is for yourself. And it was in a season where he's using a rock as a pillow and he's having dreams that God actually shows up in his life. And he knows God, not because you're the God of Abraham or the God of Isaac, but I need you to be my God. And he makes this vow to him that he's going to follow him. And he says, if you bring me back to the land of my father, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to, I'm going to tithe to you. I'll give you a tenth. I'm going to, I'm, I'm, you will be my God if you can bring me back, if you can give me bread to eat and if you can bring me back. So he goes to the land of his mother's family and he owns nothing. He shows up and he meets one of his uncles, Laban, and, and he falls in love with Laban's daughter, Rachel. I mean, Rachel, well, look, the Bible doesn't say it this way. This is not the King James Version. But Rachel, it says it's, she's a dime piece. That's what it says. Like, she's fine. The Bible says she had a great figure and she was beautiful. And so he falls in love with her and go, talks to Laban and says, I, I want to I marry your daughter. I'll work for you for seven years to marry your daughter. And so the wedding happens and he thinks that he married Rachel, but the dad had a really good veil over his other daughter named Leah. And Leah wasn't so pretty looking. It's pretty bad when the word of God says you're ugly. Like, that's bad. Like, I've been called ugly by other people, and I'm like, whatever, you know. But, like, when God's word says she ain't easy on the eyes, like, that's pretty bad. Her eyes are weak, and that ain't, like, mm, that ain't, that's pretty bad. So he marries the wrong one. He wakes up. He freaks out. And then... He decides, you know what, it doesn't matter, I'm still in love with Rachel, I'm going to work another seven years. So he works 14 years to get the right woman, and then works another six years in, in the house of Laban. And the whole time, Laban is changing his wages, Laban is messing him over, he's lying to him, he's cheating him, he's doing all of these things. And, but yet he stayed faithful with an evil taskmaster. He stayed faithful until God released him. Now, I know some of us are here today and you don't like your boss and you don't like where you're at, but maybe God has you in a place to stay faithful in a moment and in a season. Maybe he's working something in you. Maybe it's not just about Rachel and Leah and all of that. Maybe it's about something more. 
So God has him here, and then God finally releases him. Tells him it's time to go back home, and this is where we pick up the story in Genesis chapter 32. He's on his way back to the land that he said, God, if you'll be my God, if you bring me back to this land, to the land of my father, you will be my God. And this is where we pick up in Genesis 32, verse 22. It says this, the same night he arose and he took his two wives, his two female servants and his 11 children, and he crossed the ford at Jabbok. And he took them and sent them across the stream and everything else that he had. And Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket. And Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, let me go, for the day is broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said, what is your name? And he says, Jacob. Then he said, your name shall no longer be Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he said, why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, saying, for I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. And the sun rose as he passed Peniel, limping because of his hip. Now, if you're at a place in your life where you are increasing your expect, expectation, you're, you're increasing your faith, you're going to increase it for a reason. That's to step into the promises of God. We're not increasing our faith just to increase our faith. We're doing this to step in and to be the person that God has called us to be, to take territory and to do what God has called us to do. And when we do that, we find ourselves in a state just like Jacob did. See, the first thing that you find when you're in a place where you are, you're be- you're about to step into God's promises, you have to know there's going to be a whole lot of fighting going on. There's going to be a fight that happens when you're about to step into God's promise. See, where he was, he had this internal conflict. Like before he started wrestling with God, he had some internal issues. He's here, he sends his family to one side, and he's stuck literally between his future and his past. And some of us can relate to that today. Because we're at a place where we can see where God's calling us, we can hear his voice, we know where he wants us to be, yet my brother has 400 men on the other side, and if I step into this, I don't know what's going to happen. If I step into what God has for me, I don't know what happens there. I don't know what happens next. There's a whole lot to that. See, it's scary if you're going to step out on faith. But that's why we call it a walk of faith, not a sight. So he has this this place. If I go forward, I don't know what's going to happen. And I could turn back. And I think a lot of times we're tempted to turn back in the midst of the fight. In fact, I've seen more people turn back in the midst of the fight. Not with just fighting with God, but their internal fight. Their internal conflict of where do I go? And, and it would be easy for me to take things into my own hands and to manipulate it. It would be easy for me to take things and, and to do it my own way. And to, to do what I want to do. That's not what God's called you to do. In fact, every time I've messed up in life is because I've done things my own way. Every, I, I say around my house, everything good in my life is either because of God or because of my wife. And, uh, cause I married up and, um, I don't know, any men in the place, y'all married up? 
Come on. This is a good place you get brownie points. That's when you say amen. Come on now. I'm trying to help you out. I'll get you a kiss later on. Yeah, baby, you married up. He's caught between his past and his future. And then he finds himself in a spot where then God begins to deal with him. And isn't that how it is? God begins to come in and wrestle with a heart. And he begins to say, I'm calling you to a place that's a little bit deeper. I, I, I know that you see it. I know you see and you know where you are. But I'm asking you to take another step. I'm wrestling with you. And, and, and we begin to fight with God. No, I don't know if I want to take that step. And I want to go back. And I want to do this. And, and we begin to wrestle with God. But you know what? You're in a good place when you're wrestling with God. Because I've never wrestled with somebody where I haven't been close enough that I'm right there in their hands. And I've got two boys and we got a dog and all they want to do is wrestle all day long. And the dog gets in the mix too. Like I got two little redheaded kids all everywhere jumping on top of me. And when my three-year-old's wrestling with me, it's cool because he's still in the hands of his father. You might be wrestling with God today. You might be at a place where you feel him calling you to a place of prayer, calling you to a place deeper in your word, calling you to a place to give and do what he's asked you to do. And and it's okay if you feel wrestling with God because you're right there in his hands. He's got his hands all over you. It might not feel like it. See, it's not comfortable in the fight. I've never been in a fight where it's comfortable. It's not comfortable in the midst of a fight. But the fact is, I have to stand and look at what's on the other side. Look at the promise that's right there before us. See, some of you are right at a place where the promise is right on the other side. you just got to increase your expectancy and keep walking by faith. Increase your expectancy and keep doing what God's asked you to do. Increase your expectancy and step out and do what he's called you to do. Man, we're right there. (laughs) Number two, when we're stepping into what God has for us, to get through the fight, you got to have heart. To get through the fight, you got to have heart. You got to have something inside of you that says, I'm going to fight. Even when other people might give up, I'm going to fight. Even when other people might stop praying, I'm going to keep praying. Even when other people might stop fasting, I'm going to keep fasting. Even when other people say, you're crazy. Why are you following God? Why are you doing this? What are you doing with your life? It doesn't matter. I'm in the midst of a fight. And I know the promise that he has before me. And so I'm not going to stop. Because he hasn't brought me here to leave me here. He brought me here to set me up for where he's taken me. Hmm. I have to learn how to dig into the fight, how to lean into the fight. I've got to have heart. I've got to have something that rises up within me. Don't give up in the midst of the fight. Don't grow weary in well-doing. And it's so easy to do. But pastor, I've been serving and I've been pushing and I've been pressing. But one of the things that I love is in the midst of the fight that Jacob was in, it says he fought and then God touched his hip. His hip fell out of socket and then he held on. When you fought until you can't fight anymore, just hold on. Like you fought and you've done everything you can. Awesome. Can you keep holding on? Like you might not be able to fight. You might not have much left in you. Your left hook might not be landing. But okay, that's fine. Can you just hold on? You you might not have any more fight. Pastor, I fought so hard for my marriage and I don't know how I'm going to get through this and I don't know where it's going to go and I don't know what's going to happen. Awesome. You fought. Can you hold on? I fought for my children. I prayed and I fasted and I still don't see change. Okay. Hold on. I fought for my business and I don't know what's going to happen and I, I didn't get the sale and the commission didn't come through and all of the things happened. Okay. You fought. Now it's time to just hold on. 
And you know what? There's pain in the midst of holding on. But I have to know that my promise is bigger than my pain. My promise, the promise and the purpose that he has for me is so much bigger than the temporary pain of today. Because the pain that I'm feeling right now is not going to last. But his promise is eternal. His promise is for my children's 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 children. His promise is something that's not going to end with me. These blessings go to the thousandth generation is what the word says. That's what the promise does. So I'm going to keep fighting. So pastor, I'm at a place in my life where I don't know what the promise is for my life. And I haven't seen God's purpose for my life. Awesome. Let me tell you what we do here at Celebration Church. We have this thing called the growth track. And when you jump into the growth track, we help you find your purpose. We help you find your purpose. Like that 301 class is one of my favorite classes. We do the same one at our church. And, 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 and I had a guy go through it with me. And, and at the end of the class, he said, man... I never knew that God had put so much good inside of me. I was like, what did you think we were going to do? We are going to sit here and tell you all the bad about you? I was like, well, I didn't know. Because all everybody else has ever told me is the bad about me. You want to find out what God has to say about you? Jump in the growth track. Jump in and see what God's purpose and his plan is for you. Because when you get a picture of God's plan for your life, it gives you something to fight with. When you get a picture of where you're going and where he's taking you, it gives you something to fight with. Number three, when you're stepping into what God has for you, you have to get ready for a name change. You have to get ready for a name change. See, for us today, a name change is just a name change. And that's it. You change your name. You didn't like what your mama and them called you, and so you change your name to something else. But to him, this was a difference in identity. He was at a place where God was about to change his entire identity, how everybody looked at him. And the conversation that happens, honestly, it's a little sad to me. So the conversation that goes on is God is wrestling with him and he says, I'm not letting go till you bless me. So God says, okay, well, what's your name? And he responds to God the same way that many of us respond to God when God's asking us, what is your name? He responds and says, I'm Jacob. I am who they said I am. I'm the manipulator. I'm the person that's the the supplanter and the usurper. I'm the guy that everybody else, the the guy that my family says I am, I'm that same guy. Hmm. See, Jacob saw himself as the same guy, but he didn't see that a name change doesn't just happen like that. Identity change doesn't just happen like that. What God does is he had been working him out in the school of Laban for 20 years. Now he thought that he was working to try to get Rachel because she's fine. And he thought that he was working to try to get some goats and some sheep. He thought he was working to try to get all of this, but he wasn't working for all of that. Because in the midst of that, In the midst of those 20 years, God was changing his character. God was changing who he was. See, before you can have the name change, he's got to have a character change. And God had him in a place where he was in process and he was working on him. And he was saying, hey, look, I know he's cheated you and he's done you wrong. Can you serve me a little bit more? Can you be faithful a little bit more? I know you're in pain right now and you're aggravated right now. Can you serve me a little bit longer? Can you be faithful right now? I I understand that he gave you the wrong wife and she ugly. I made her that way. But look, can you be faithful and can you trust me? And can you stay in process? Can you stay in process? Because when we're in process, it's so easy for us to get up and run. 
God, this isn't comfortable. I didn't sign up for ugly woman. God, it ain't comfortable. I didn't sign up for all of this pain and this heartache. I didn't sign up for somebody cheating me and and doing me wrong. I didn't sign up for all this. I thought that ministry would look like Rachel and it looks like Leah. I thought my business would look like Rachel. I had this dream that God would give me this Rachel and I woke up with Leah. And I got bills, and I got debt, and I got drama all around me, and people are cheating me and lying to me. And God's saying, hey, I gave you and I put you here for a reason. It's not about Rachel or Leah. It's about something I'm working on the inside of you. It's about I'm changing you from Jacob to Israel. And everybody else might see me still as Jacob. They might still know me as a little boy who cheated my brother. They may still know me as that. But I want you to know this morning you are not who they say you are. You are a child of the Most High God. You are called and anointed and every member of this church has a ministry to do. We've all got a place to be in the kingdom where we go out and we we make a difference. We make an impact. See, Celebration Church exists to be a source of strength, not just for the individuals, but for the families so that we can be equipped to do what God has called us to do. That's why we're here. That's why you're here. Hmm. I'm sorry. The spirit of preach came on me for a moment. You're not who they said you were. You're a child of the most high God. Some of us might need to reacquaint ourselves with who God says we are. We might need to know who we are. Well, pastor, how do I know who God says I am? You know, one of the ways that I know who God says I am is I get in a small group. I get in a life group. I get surrounded by other people that when all I can see in me is the Jacob, that they see the Israel. When all I can see in me is the stuff that's jacked up and broken and and, and I'm sitting in a season where I'm stuck between my future and my past and I'm haunted by the memories and I'm haunted by the mistakes and, and I'm tormented by the issues in my life that I've got people that are right there in my corner. See, every good fight has a great corner. Every good fighter, he's got a great corner. He's got somebody that's there. He's not taking the punches for you, but he's saying, duck. Bob, we get down, hit him harder. You got duck. That's what every great fighter has. Somebody in their corner. If you want somebody in your corner, the best way to do that is jumping into a life group. In fact, you could get multiple people in your corner that are there and that are praying for you every single day. Number four. Number four, whenever you're stepping into the presence, into what God has for you, as you're increasing your expectancy, <laughs> You have to make sure you surround yourself with people that walk with a limp. So he fights with God. He wrestles with God. And then he leaves this place. Y'all hear it? That's the power of God. He's like, boom. It's It's good when God's saying amen to the sermon. Okay. So he gets to this place where, where, where he leaves this place. He leaves the fight. And it says that he left there walking with a limp. He left there walking different. And the place that I know that I can find people that walk with a limp is when I'm serving with somebody. Because I could see there's a difference in their walk. There's a difference in, in how they conduct themselves. There's something different when somebody's serving. And, and you know one thing i found? One of the most selfish things that I can do is to serve somebody else. I know that doesn't make sense. In the beginning, follow me. 
When I serve somebody else, God does more of a change inside me than what I could do for that person. Okay, so we go feed somebody and you fed them that one meal. Awesome. That, that filled their belly one meal and you made a difference for a few hours. But as I'm feeding them that one meal, God begins to do a work in my heart that lasts a lifetime. He begins to do something in me. See, I, I, I'm convinced that to get where I'm going, I've got to surround myself with people that walk with a limp. That's why, that's why Pastor Frankie and Pastor Allie are so integral in my life. Because I don't want people that speak in my life that have never held on to God for themselves. I don't want people that speak into my life. Like I've got people in my life that haven't held on to God. But I don't want somebody's voice that's speaking into my life. Like the people that I go to and I say, hey, I need you to lead me and guide me. Those are people that I know that walk with a limp. I don't know if I can say it this way here. But in my church, the way we say it is, don't trust a pimp without a limp. Just saying. Don't trust somebody who hadn't been walking with a limp, who hadn't been walking with God, who hasn't known how to get a hold of God for themselves. Pastor, we're increasing our expectancy. How do I step into the promise that God has for me? It's going back to the basics. It's going back to the basics. It's, It's usually not something grand. Sometimes it's just the simplicity of actually getting into our word and reading the Bible. Sometimes it's the simplicity of Actually spending time in prayer and spending time in worship, not just here in service. And man, y'all's worship team is amazing. But not just here in service, at home. Just because. Maybe it's fasting, not because pastor said we're going to fast, but because I've got to get a hold of God for myself. It's stepping in and giving the way that God's asked me to give or serving the way he's asked me to serve. Loving others the way he's asked me to love, love others. To actually forgive somebody. Hmm. I'm going to step into where he's called me to. It's really just being faithful with what he's asked me to do. And it's funny because so many times it's like, I want a word from God. But if you really look at it, he's probably already dealing with you with the change that you need to make right now. So right now, I want to pray for you. I'm going to ask all of us if we just stand. And I know that there are some of us that are here this morning that Maybe you don't have a relationship with God. Maybe this whole church thing is new. I don't know where you are. Maybe this is the first time you've ever been in church. But today you can lean in to the fight and you can begin a relationship with God. In a moment, our prayer team's coming to the front. We're going to close out in a moment. But I just want to lead us all into a prayer. I'm going to invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes. There's nothing holy in doing that. It's just so that people around us won't distract us. And I want you to take a moment and ask God, how can I respond to this message? Holy Spirit, speak to my heart right now. How can I respond to this message? There's some of us that are here that we don't have a relationship with God, and that's the best response. The most appropriate response is to begin a relationship with Him. And if you're here today and you say, Pastor, that's me. Pastor, I know that I need a relationship with Jesus. I'm just going to ask that you'd raise your hand so I know who I'm praying with. Pastor, that's me. Pastor, I know that I need a relationship with him. I've walked with him and I've turned my back on him. I, I've, I've been in the fight and I've turned and I've run and, and I'm ready to lean into the fight today. I'm ready for a relationship. Amen. Amen. I'm going to ask all of us to pray a prayer and then I want to pray a prayer over you guys. Just repeat this with me. Dear Heavenly Father, forgive me for my sins. I know that I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. And Jesus, I believe that you died and you rose again 
for me. And I commit my life to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Heavenly Father, I thank you for every person that's in this place. Those of us that are in the midst of the fight. Those of us that are stuck between the future and the promise that you call calling us to in our past. And we feel ourselves torn and not knowing which way to go. But God, I thank you that you step into the mix with us. And that you begin to direct us and lead us. And sometimes I know we may be wrestling with you, God. But God, this morning we're committing that we're going to lean into the fight. We're going to hold on until you bless us. We're going to step to the promise that you've called us to. We're not going to manipulate anymore. We're not going to put things in our own hands. We're not going to try to do it our own way. We're not going to turn and run. But God, we're going to follow you as we increase our expectancy. We're going to be the church that you've called us to be, to be the people that you've called us to be. Lord, I pray that you would move in our hearts and in our lives. God, we love you. We give you all the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you're here this morning and you want prayer, our prayer partners are coming to the front right now. We'd love the opportunity to pray with you. And if that's not where you are this morning, no problem. I just encourage you, as our worship team leads us right now, just worship for a moment. There's no formal dismissal. We're so glad that you're here, glad that you're a part of Celebration Church. And I know God's doing a work here in your heart.